chapter 12 and verse number 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that you may prove. Notice he's personalizing it here. It's not just that somebody else might prove, but that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Good, acceptable, and perfect are three adjectives all describing God's desires, God's plan, God's will for your life. And it simply means uh, beneficial, well-pleasing, and all-encompassing. So God has a plan for your life. It's a beneficial plan. It's well-pleasing. In other words, you're going to like it. Amen. (laughs) And it's all-encompassing, meaning there's no aspect of your life that God doesn't have a plan for. Uh, your career, your marriage, your family, uh, things that, that he desires. The Bible says he wrote it all down in a book before you ever lived a single day. And so getting on the same page with God and, and walking with him and, and being led by his spirit, life is choice-driven, therefore it must be spirit-led. And the Holy Spirit knows the will of God, the plan of God for your life, even areas that you don't know or don't understand yet. Good news, you have a helper. He's the Holy Spirit of God, third member, third person of the Trinity, Amen. And, um, and he's with you and in you if you're born again. And he knows God's plans and purposes and will for your life. And he's wanting to lead you and guide you and help you see and understand and walk in, in those plans and purposes. Amen? But notice our part in this is to not be conformed to this world. And the conformity to this world has to do with the outside pressures of this world pushing in on us, ultimately uh, influencing the way we think or the way we look at things, the way we see things, which translates into the way we speak, or ultimately the way that we do things. He says, so don't, don't allow that to happen. When it comes to matters of the heart, you are the gatekeeper. That's why Jesus said in, I think it's John 14 and 1, do not allow your heart to be troubled. So if your heart's troubled this morning, right, we need to understand what's troubling it and what answers Father has for us, amen, but when it comes to even our emotions, we're, we're not just the victim of our emotions. Amen? And, and Satan wants us to think that we don't have any control over these things, but, but, but we do. Amen? And, and certainly Father will help us and, and make progress in these things. I know, you know when things start troubling me, right, it's time to go to the Lord. Amen? And, and let's find out what, because he'll keep those in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on him. Amen. Amen. So we see that we live in a world that's trying to conform us into looking at things and seeing things and thinking the way that they think. But we're not going to be conformed. We're not going to, we're not going to have the outside pressure forming our perceptions and, and our, our uh, perspectives. But we're going to be transformed. Our lives will be transformed through the renewing or the reconditioning of our minds. Now, the Lord spoke to us some three weeks ago now about a significant shift in 2023. And I'm thankful for uh, any positive change, any positive growth, any, any movement in the right direction. But sometimes that change and growth and development comes incrementally. The Bible identifies those who are as spiritual infants, those who are as spiritual children, and those who are as spiritual adults. And in Hebrews 5, we see that there are folks who have been born again long enough to be leading other people in the things of God but still need a bottle. They still need the milk. So you can be born again for many, many years and still be spiritually immature as a child or even as a, as a, as a baby. Uh, unfortunately, our spiritual growth does not, um, you know, track with chronological years. Uh, in the same way that someone can, can be alive physically in their 40s but still be uh, immature, hopefully that's not the case with any of us, but but still act like a kid, a child, you know, childish behavior for an adult. But we see then that there are certain things that enable us to grow and develop. Amen? All right. Now, the other thing, and I just want to mention this as we move forward. We may not circle back to this in the time that we have left, but I just want to remind you that there are many significant shifts, but as it relates to understanding God's order of being and doing, This is an area where the world has conditioned us to think one way, opposite to the way that God designed us to function. And and the world has the attitude and religion has the attitude of who do you make yourself to be? Because the world believes that you do in order to be, but 
God's way is not doing to become, but it's Him making you to be so that you have the wherewithal to do. So we're not trying to do enough good to be righteous, but through the new birth we were made righteous, which means we now have in our innermost being the wherewithal to live righteously. Amen? If the Son makes you free, you shall be free in your performed action. Before the slaves in this country could ever live lives of freedom, and by the way, they were, they were made free by the uh, Emancipation Proclamation, but there were still slaves, for all intents and purposes, living in slavery till the early 1970s in this country. Did you know that? Sad, but it's true. It's not like they were out working in the cotton fields and their smartphones alerted them that they were free now. But the most powerful man in the United States proclaimed that they were free. But it's one thing to be made free in your innermost being. It's another thing to be free in your, in your uh, performed action, actually living free. Amen. So he makes you free so that you can learn from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to live free. He makes you righteous so that you can learn how to live righteously. He makes you prosperous and successful and victorious so that you can then learn how to be. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. So um, let's, let's break down a few things here as we move forward. So what we're saying then is a reconditioned mind will always produce a transformed life. Amen. That's just another way of saying Romans 12 and 2. But a reconditioned mind, because the world's conditioned us to think one way, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God, with your cooperation, is trying to recondition you to think, to think God's way. And so a reconditioned mind will always produce a transformed life. And we said that a significant shift in our lives requires a significant shift in our thinking. We said ways of thinking are pathways that lead us to a destination. Pathways that lead us to a destination. And so we see it a couple of times in Proverbs that there is a pathway that seems right to a man or a woman, right? But it actually leads to death. And we said last week that death doesn't necessarily mean physically dead, but death ultimately means separation. So there is a, there is a pathway, there is a way that we can think and live that is going to keep us perpetually separated from the blessings and benefits of our salvation. But thank God for a significant shift. Amen. Now, we also said last week that significant shifts always involve a significant if. A significant shift always involves a significant if. And so if then equals a condition or a variable controlled by you. James chapter 1 makes it clear that with God there is no variableness. God is the constant in your life equation. You hold all the variables. In a simple mathematical equation, 1 plus x equals 1 is the constant, x is the variable, and whatever x is is going to determine the results. So 1 plus 5 is 6, 1 plus 100 is 101. So in your life equation, God is the one. He is the constant. He never changes. You hold all the variables. Are you following what I'm saying? Like it may seem insignificant to you, uh, but I tr trust me, it's not. You, you, decided, you decided to come here this morning. Now, the Holy Spirit leading you here, or maybe he, you know, other people, other places, but you could have hit the snooze button. You could have you know, just started cooking your buffalo wings early for the Super Bowl. You could, I mean, there's all kinds of ifs, right? But the variable of you being here this morning, right? Because if you decided to stay home, God's not going to grab you by the hair of the head and drag you to Heritage Christian Center, right? So you hold all the variables. God is the constant, and He is good, amen? So it's how we handle the variables. Now, notice Satan, of course, is trying to influence us to not fellowship with God's people, to not assemble, to not hear and learn the truth that will renew our minds and ultimately produce a transformed life. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay, so... The Bible says things like, if you can believe, if you turn from your wicked ways, if you humble yourself, if you're willing and obedient, if you hear and do these sayings of mine, if you've learned from Jesus, if you're renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so, again, all of these um, variables mean that there has to be some cooperative effort on our part. Amen? 
And there's a lot of folks who, who love to hear that, and there's a lot of folks who don't want to hear that because they'd rather just sit back and, and suck the cream out of cream-filled donuts and just pretend like God decides everything. But that's, that's not how this works, not how any of this works. Now, here's an example of a significant shift. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. As long as you speak, understand, and think like a child, you'll behave like a child no matter how old you are. As long as you, think, underst- as long as you speak, understand, and think like uh, an, a, a slave to sin, then you will behave like a slave to sin no matter how free from sin he, you've been made. And we went through a whole list of those. I'm not going to go back through all that um, this morning. Now, if you continue to think, and this is, this is where we're going to develop uh, some new thoughts this morning from the Word of God. If I continue to think, understand, and speak as a child, I will never experience life as an adult. I can be an adult. I can be an adult, but if I think, understand, and speak like a child, I'm going to experience life as a child rather than as the adult I be. Okay? Now, I believe Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and me today about changing the way we experience life. He has a lot of words for us about the way we do life. And those are important. I'm not trying to set those aside. And there's a lot that the Bible has to say about uh, changes as far as circumstances and situations around us. We're instructed to speak to mountains. We're instructed to bind devils. We're instructed to, to loose things on the earth and to bind things on the earth and, and, and to change with the, with the name of Jesus and by faith things that are going on around us. And certainly... There, we could preach and have preached bunches of sermons on that whole aspect. But there's, there's another, there's another uh, truth that we find in the Word of God, and it has to do with changing the way you experience life here on this earth. Now, let's just piggyback again on 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. Because adults and children, now stay with me because if you don't get this part, the rest may be lost on you and I don't want that to happen, okay? So just dial in with me for a minute, okay? And and this, don't overthink it, it's pretty straightforward, but I want to make sure you get this, all right? Because adults and children experience life differently. Adults and children dealing with the same identical set of circumstances or situations will experience different things okay so generally speaking an adult and a child facing the same sort of set of circumstances will experience them differently why because they perceive them differently i'm trying every way in the world to talk about this without talking about what's on my heart or where the lord began to really show me this and so i will and i don't want to Compared to what some of you have been through lately, this is nothing, all right? But, but obviously, you know, little Colonel, our Yorkie, was with us for 13 years, and, and he left us last Saturday. And, and again, some of you have been through some much more painful things than that, and I'm certainly not trying uh, to compare uh, my dripping faucet to your flood, okay? Um, but in, in, that, in that moment, and obviously it was very emotional for Pam and I, and so Jake and Bethany, um, they, they came over to the vet, um, and they said, you know, Bethany came in, and, and so she says, uh, so the boys are out there. Do you think they should come in here? And my first response was, no, you know, I don't want them, I don't want them to experience this. I don't want them to see Colonel laying there on that table no longer with us, you know. And thankfully, and he knows that I love him and respect him, uh, Jake thought not only different from that, he thought better than that. But as I watched Oliver and Samuel 
experiencing Colonel's departure, they were experiencing it different from us, right? You know, I mean, they kind of looked at him, and then they want to tell me about their dinosaur. You see what I'm saying, right? It's because their perception of the situation was different than the perception we had as adults, okay? And because they perceived it differently, they were having a different experience. They were experiencing that moment, those set of circumstances differently simply because they perceived them differently. Now, we're going to use this word perceive a lot, so let's, let's break down what it really means. To perceive means to be aware of or to be conscious of. And, and, and basically, aware and conscious are, are the same word, okay? But you can be aware of something, but forget about it or lose sight of it and not be conscious of it. So I, w- I want to make sure you understand the difference there. Um, you can know something, but it not be in the forefront of your mind. Or to, to not be aware of it at all means that, that, you, that you don't know it. Nobody's ever explained it to you. You've never heard it, and therefore you're not aware of it. But you can be aware of something that is not your foremost thought. So I'm, I'm using these words in splitting the hair because I'm not just trying to be redundant when I say aware of and conscious of, but you can know something, but that information or that knowledge not be the factor that it should be in the situation that you're dealing with. Something else has taken its place, right? So to perceive means that you are aware of it, you know it, but you're also conscious of it in, in that it's the, uh, the overarching or the predominant uh, way that you're thinking, uh, processing that particular situation. Yes, are you still with me? All right. So to perceive means to be aware of, to be conscious of. And then I try to put this in more simple terms. Your perception is the way you see it. The way you see it, not necessarily the way I see it, but the way you see it, the way you look at things, the way you understand things. And if you figured out by now, if, if you've ever been married for longer than five minutes, you know that not everybody sees things the way you see them. Amen? We don't all see th- And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Satan tries to manipulate the, the different ways of seeing things. Um, you know, and, and stir up strife amongst people and all those other things. Th- this is why we need to remember that not everybody knows everything. Not every person knows everything. And and if you know, if you will listen to the way other people perceive things, boy, I learned this in, in the things that I've learned over the years in in addiction recovery. Um, there there are a lot of things that people who who don't believe in faith based Christ centered recovery. There are a lot of things that they understand about recovery that I've learned from. Now, I don't necessarily say it the way they say it, uh, because any answer that works is God's answer, whether people give God credit for it or not. Am I right about this? Okay. So the point I'm trying to make is, and, and I learned in business, that uh, you know Pam is always going to see things from a different perspective than me. And, and that's by God's design. Women look at things differently than men do. Men look at things differently than women do. Okay. Uh, you need to know this. You need to know this in, in marriage, if you are married or if you plan to be married. You need to know this. And, and that's not some cruel joke that God played on us. He, 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 it requires the two different ways of looking at things, right? And we could teach a whole series of sermons on this. I'm not, we have in the past. I'm not going to do it again right now. But it's, it's these two different perspectives that, that are necessary in, in not just a successful marriage, but in successful parenting and so forth and so on, all right? But the, the bottom line of it is the way you see it is the way you see it and not necessarily the way somebody else sees it, the way you look at things, the way you understand things. So with this stated, children have a limited perception, meaning there are things that they are not yet aware of and therefore not conscious of, so they experience the same situation differently than an adult with a greater understanding, with a greater perception. That's the point I'm trying to make, and we're going to build on this, so just stay with me, okay? In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul speaks of this significant shift, but where this, the significant shift took place in his life experience is where he enjoyed it, right? Where it began to produce better results, but the actual shift... 
the actual shift was rooted in a significant shift in his perception. He went from the understanding and awareness of a child to the understanding and awareness of a man. He's seeing things differently. He's seeing things, same thing that he saw before, same life that he had before, same circumstances he had before, same education he had before, same friends he had before, same everything as before. That's the, what's going on around him hasn't changed, but what has changed is his way of looking at what's going on around him. See, so many of God's people are waiting on everything and everybody around them to change. Right? When's this going to change? When's she going to change? When's he going to change? When's God going to change my life? When's God going to change my son? When's God going to change my family? When's God going to change this? When, when, when? Change, change, change. We're waiting on everything and everybody around us to change. Have you ever stopped to consider maybe if you let God change the way you perceive what's going on around you, that everything would then change? Have you ever stopped to consider that you're the common denominator in everything you're a part of? You ever notice that some of the same issues you have at work, you have at home? Some of the same, <laughs> there's a brother, I won't say his name because he watches a lot. He knows who he is, and I'm, I'm, I'm waving at him right now through the camera, okay? He came up to me right over there one Sunday. He said, Pastor Mark, I finally realized that I'm the problem, and I'm everywhere I go. It's a breakthrough for him, right? He's got, I'm, I'm, I'm the problem, and I'm everywhere I go. Now, obviously, it, it takes two to have strife and all these other things. But see, it's much easier for us to just point the finger at other people. They're mad at me. They're trying to hold me back. They don't this. They don't that. Well, see, again, that's your perception. And here's the thing. It may be true. It may be true. There may be politics going on in your workplace environment that are trying to keep you from being promoted, that are trying to keep you uh, from advancing, that may be trying to cheat you out of a promotion or a bonus or, or whatever, right? That may, in, in fact, be true. But see, you can't let what's going on around you, see, that's conforming. You can't let what's going on around you uh, uh, determine how you perceive yourself, how you perceive God in you. Because here's the thing. If God be for you, who can be against you? See, if we had that perception, right, that God is with me, that God is, is for me, and even if it looks like I'm losing, I'm still winning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, Paul shifted from looking at things from the limited perspective, awareness, consciousness of a child, to seeing them from the greater perspective, awareness, or consciousness of a man. Now, let's do this. I need to bring this on the table, and I want this to kind of be an underlying thought of what we talk about from this point forward. You're not a physical being trying to have a spiritual experience. You are a spirit being experiencing a physical world. You talk about a significant shift now. That is a significant shift. So many of God's people see themselves as physical beings trying to have some kind of spiritual experience. You are a spirit being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. You are a spirit being, you are, and you are experiencing a physical world. Now, the perception that you have of God and yourself, what, what you are aware of when it comes to God, what you are conscious of when it comes to God, what you are aware of when it comes to yourself, what you are conscious of when it comes to yourself, will determine the way you experience the world you live in. And whether or not you change it or it changes you. How you see God, how you see yourself, what you believe to be true about Him and what you believe to be true about who you are in Him, your perception, your, what you are aware of. Do you realize how many people in the body of Christ are not aware of Matthew 16, 19, Matthew 18, 18, whatever you loose on heaven, whatever you loose on the earth, having already been loosed in heaven, will be loosed on earth. Whatever you bind, whatever you allow on heaven, on earth, having already been bound uh, or, or allowed in heaven, will be bound or allowed on the earth. Are you follow what I'm saying? People, people aren't aware of that. 
Now, if you've been here for very long, you should be aware of it because we, we mention it a lot. Because in those particular verses, who has the, who has the uh, implied initiative? You do. So we're, we're sitting around waiting, for, what's God going to do about this? And he's telling you and me to take authority in the name of Jesus. He didn't say, hey, fellas, I'm going to change the world. Why don't you come go with me? He said, no, you go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and I'll go with you. So he's, he's waiting on us to take the initiative. So notice there's all kinds of things that are, that are pertinent to the life that God created us to live that a lot of God's people are not aware of. They're not, they're, not, they're not aware of it, and therefore they're not conscious of it as they go about their daily lives. But the perception that you have of God and yourself will determine the way you experience the world you live in and whether you change it or it changes you. So as born-again believers, listen to me now, as born-again believers, we should experience the world differently than someone who is not born again. We should experience the world differently from someone who does not know God. But if we think or if we perceive like someone who does not know God, guess what? We will experience the world like someone who does not know God. Even though... We are one with Him, even though we've been born of His Spirit, born of His incorruptible Word, that that we are His and He is ours. He's in us and we're in Him. But if we perceive the world around us the same way those who don't know God perceive the world around us, we're going to experience the world the way they experience it. Now, if all this sounds good to you, but maybe like some late-night infomercial, just stay with me now. I I got something for you. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because as, as is the case always, right, when the Lord begins to speak something to my heart, I'm like, okay, Father, all this sounds good, but, but I, where's the Scripture, right? Because, you, you know, Keith Moore, I heard him say this the first time, right? You know what you've got to have in order for something to be scriptural, right? You've got to have some Scripture. Amen. And so here's the Scripture, or at least one of the ones I hope we have time to look at some more this morning. 1 first, first Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 13 through 18. All right? So this is what it says. It says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul first to the church at Thessalonica and now to you and me, is revealing, is revealing mysteries and truth that had been hidden from the foundations of the world that are no longer mysteries and are no longer hidden. He is telling us exactly what has happened to and what to expect concerning those that we I mean, it's, it's easier to say those that we know and love who have passed from this life, who have departed from this life. This is true of believers that we don't know and love, but when it comes to people that are very close to us, people that we know and, and love, that we grieve over their passing, right? He's saying, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, that word ignorant there means to not perceive, it is the word, uh, uh, it would be like unopened, right? It's the word, uh, you know, when you say open and then you put you in uh, in front of it, it reverses it. So the root of this word ignorant is the word perceived, but then it has an anti or, or the negative, um, what's the two letters you put in the front of a prefix? has, the, has the, neg- the, the prefix in front of it that changes it to, to, to uh, not perceiving, to not be aware of, to not be conscious of, to not understand or to see it correctly. So he says, I do not want you to be unaware, to be unconscious, to not know, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have departed from this life, lest you should sorrow as others who have no hope. So notice now, what is he saying? Certainly people who are close to us when they depart this life, there is grief, there is sorrow. 
But for someone who is born again, right, and someone who has an understanding and an awareness of what happens to someone who dies in Christ, he says that it changes our experience of their death, of their passing. Are you seeing this? He's saying that we experience it differently. So let's say you've got a, uh, a family of um, you know, three brothers and sisters, okay? And uh, moms and dads have long since gone, and, and one of the brothers, the middle brother, whatever, he, he, he um, is born again, um, the younger brother is not born again, and the older brother passes. Okay, you got that? Did I, is, am I too confused or going too fast? So three brothers, the older one passes, the, the middle one is born again, the younger one is not. The middle brother and the younger brother are going to experience the passing of their brother differently. Because the, the, well, let me say, should experience it differently because they should have an awareness, a consciousness, a perception of the situation. Doesn't mean they don't grieve, but what is the difference here according to the Apostle Paul? The difference is grieving with hope versus grieving without hope. Grieving with a confident expectation that this is not goodbye, but this is see you later. Versus, I'll never see my older brother again. Are you seeing this? What's the difference? Why is, why is, they're both, both brothers are grieving the loss of their big brother, okay? But one is grieving and experiencing it differently because that brother has hope. So what does he say? For if we believe... There's your significant if. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, because when he died and rose again, what do we know from other places in the Scripture? That means that he came back not just from the dead, he came back with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He came back with the authority over death, hell, and the grave. And because Jesus broke the chains of death, the middle brother knows that death can't hold his older brother, who also was a born-again man. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, we also know from other parts, and I'm not here to... I'm not here to preach a funeral message this morning. That's what a lot of times you go to these, you hear these verses at funerals, okay? And, and rightly so. I'm not saying that's, that's, that's a wrong thing. But for the born-again believer, let me tell you what else we know. We know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And there's coming a day. Remember when Jesus left this earth after his death, burial, resurrection? He was seen alive for 40 days, right? Then he, he, he returns back to the right hand of the Father. And they're all standing there staring up at the sky, that last little cloud where he disappeared behind it, right? And an angel appears. It's like, hey, wh- why are you standing here staring up at the, at the sky? This same Jesus who left you will in the same manner. There's coming a day in the same manner. He left, he departed, he will return. And when he returns, this is what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says is going to happen. First and foremost, the bodies of all those who died uh, in Christ, their graves are going to burst open. Even the sea will give up their dead, right? Their, their, the graves are going to burst open. Those bodies are going to be resurrected. And then split second after that, any born-again believer who's still alive on planet Earth is going to be caught up together with the Lord in the air. That's the rapture of the church. It's a different perception, right? It's a completely different way of looking at I'll never see her again. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Now, a lot of times we focus on the last part. Thus, we shall always be with the Lord. But before he says we will always be with the Lord, he says we will be caught up together with them. So there's a reunion day coming. Amen. There's a reunion day coming. The closest death has come as far as touching me was when my father-in-law passed. Thank God my mom and dad still 
alive. My mother in grace is still alive. Um, so the closest member of my family, my grandparents have already passed. My father-in-law, uh, Brother Buddy, y'all remember him. But man, in, in addition to, to loved ones, my uncles and, 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 and different ones, you know, I think about some of the folks that were a part of this family of faith for so many years. I still have Brother Bucky's last voicemail uh, on my phone. Um, praise the name of the living God. Y'all heard his voice uh, lately? That's the wrong one. That's a special one as well. Just called to wish you and yours a very, very Merry Christmas. And also, would you pass a message on to your mother? Tell her her vote turned it a lot. I'm clean shaven now. So, Merry Christmas. Talk to you later. He went home to be with Jesus not many days after that. But he had grown a beard, and he used to tease my mother about it. And so when he called that Christmas morning, uh, he wanted me to tell Mom that he had shaved his beard. Amen. I look forward to seeing that brother again. I miss him. I miss him. Man, I could just go on and on. I, and I, I don't want to leave anybody out because everybody's so precious to me, but um, if there's ever been a Jonathan in my life, if you remember David and Jonathan, the Bible says the Lord knit their hearts together. He knit my heart together with high water Sheffield. Oh, how I miss that man. And I'm going to see him again. I miss him. But I'm going to see him again. Amen. I'm, I'm going to see, and I don't want to, I know these wounds are still fresh, but I can't wait to see Lamar smile again, Sister Beverly. Oh, what a smile. I'm going to see him again. Do we miss him? Do our hearts ache? Do we have questions that we don't know the answers to? Yes, all of the above, but we also have answers. And so we experience this. See, death, remember now, I'm going to go back to it. Let me, ah, sweet Jesus. We are spirit beings experiencing a physical reality. And perhaps the most frustrating part of what we experience physically is death right we that that's that's very difficult for even the most mature of uh, 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 people of faith and and I just, I'll, so you'll know, and I'll just expose the enemy. He's just like, you just offended this one because you didn't mention them. Just, uh, listen, God knows my heart. Amen. Amen. Sister Elizabeth, I remember when you and Brother Tommy stood right there and got married, right? On a Wednesday night, and, and we're going to hug him one day again. Well, I mean, okay, you're... Yes, I'm corrected, but I meant you were on just, if you're facing the pulpit on that side of the stage is what I guess maybe I'm remembering, but oh, go see him again. Are you hearing me? Go see him again. Do you believe we're going to see him again? So what does he say, verse 18? Comfort one another with these words. Because there are a lot of words that are not very comforting. Right? But I find comfort in being made aware of. I'm aware of it, but sometimes we need to be reminded so that we can be conscious. Right? Yes? Praise the name of the living God. All right. So, in the same way, let me just... While I'm here, I might as well do this, okay? So, death is part of this world's experience. It's estimated that two people depart this life by way of death every second. Every second. Six. Eight, ten. So you have departures, 
arrivals. Right? Departures and arrivals. Amen. And none of us like to talk about it or think about it. And as born-again spirit beings experiencing a physical world, death is one of the most difficult things that we deal with. But the right perception means we will experience it differently than those who do not know or who do not have the same hope that we have. So, using that as an example, the world then is the world. And Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have lots of opportunities to be offended. We are living in the perilous times that Jesus spoke of. But a born-again believer should experience the world differently from the way someone who is not born again. Perception is reality. That's not a Bible verse. I don't say that with the same conviction and passion that I would quote a Bible verse. The Bible does support the spirit that's captured in that statement. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible says, as water reflects the face, so a man's heart reflects the man. But when we say perception is reality, what we're really saying is that your perception of a situation is limited to what you are aware of and conscious of where that situation is concerned, which then ultimately determines what you believe is real, Therefore, what your reality where that situation is concerned is determined by your perception. Are you following me? Yes? If I go on long enough, some of you like you're ready for lunch. Amen. Are you okay? So someone who perceives the same situation differently from you will experience a different reality where that situation is concerned. Let me introduce this part and we'll, we'll call it a morning, Okay. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through chapter 4, verse 1. For you were all sons of God. Pay attention to the being. You were all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You're in Him. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We've done a lot of preaching on that over the years. But let me just say, that's good news, right? He immediately then transitions to chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say, now in light of what we've just established, that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. The King James Version says it this way, Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, differ nothing from a servant, though he be, and that's why I wanted to show you the King James Version, though he be Lord of all. Emphasis on what? Being. So an heir who thinks, understands, and speaks like a child. Are you seeing this? One who is an heir, one who be an heir, one who has been made an heir. We have been made heirs of God. We have been made joint heirs with Jesus. That's who you are. If you're a born-again believer, you did not earn this. You do not deserve this. You didn't do enough good or give enough money or attend enough church services or memorize enough Bible verses or say no to enough sin to be made an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. He made you that because of His grace. It's who you be. You be the heir. But an heir who understands, thinks, and speaks like a child will experience life as a slave, though he be Lord of all. An heir who perceives like a child will experience life as a slave, even though he's not a slave. He's master of all. So the question then is this. 
what about an heir who perceives himself as an heir? You see the difference here? We see what happens when the heir perceives himself as a child. What about the heir who perceives himself as the heir? What will his or her life experience look like? So, Romans 5 and 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one. You can stand with me this morning. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, not just barely more, not just equally the same, but much more, much greater, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Come on now. You see the difference between experiencing life as a slave you realize how many of God's people are experiencing life as a slave? Slave to debt, a slave to sin, a slave to circumstances, a slave to their emotions, a, a slave to their habits, a, a slave to their ignorance. Ignorant means what? Not aware, not knowing. Receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will do what? Will reign in life through the one. It may be corny, but I hope it sticks in your mind. I am an heir who is aware. Amen. Anybody else? An heir who is aware. Amen. I'm an aware heir. Amen. Amen. Because if you perceive yourself according to the truth, Notice now what's happened. Significant shift. It changes how you experience everything in your life. See, the devil wants you insecure. He wants you frustrated. He wants you intimidated. He wants you depressed. He wants you frustrated. And all of these things have their roots in not understanding, not being aware, not being conscious of who we are, who we became, the day we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. When our perception shifts to who we be, transforms everything around you. Renewed mind always produces a transformed life. Quit waiting for everything and everybody around you to change. Let God change you. And then whatever else needs to be changed around you, He will show you what to do to change it. Amen? Because you, my brother, my sister, listen to me very carefully, you are the object of His grace and affection, and you are the instrument of His grace and affection. Meaning what? What he wants to do in you, he also wants to do through you. This world is suffering for a lot of reasons, but I believe the most significant reason this world is suffering is because the church, God's people, the body of Christ, has an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. And so much of the church is trying to figure out how to be like the world and change the world at the same time. Think about how silly that is, how futile that is, trying to be like something you're trying to change. Father, thank you that we are heirs and we are aware. We are conscious. Lord, we refuse to perceive this world as victims. We are not victims. We are victors. We, Father, refuse to perceive this world as being our home. It is not our home. We are ambassadors for a greater kingdom. And no man, no woman goes on assignment, goes to war at at his or her own expense. Father, I thank you this morning that you are awakening things in us that need to be awakened. You are imparting things to us that need to be imparted.
things that have been in our innermost being since the day we called upon you and received salvation. The impartation, Father, is taking place in our minds, in our understandings, in our perceptions. Now, Father, we've had lots of wonderful members of this family of faith and friends of this family of faith who have made it home before us. And we thank you for the wonderful, beautiful memories that we have of all of them. We thank you, Father, for how they have touched and impacted our lives and how things that, that they used to say when they were with us, Father, now come out of our mouths. And Father, I thank you that your perception, look at me for a minute, I, I, I just, I stayed away from this, but he just is correcting me. Listen to me, please, okay? You, are you ready for Father's perception? When Hiawatha and all these others that we talked about? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. You're like, whoa, ain't nothing precious about this. We don't have the same perception that he has. Amen. Father sees it differently. So, Father, help us, Lord. Help us walk in what you have for us to walk in. Help us to be aware of the things that you want us to be aware of. Holy Spirit, thank you for your assignment in our lives, and we choose now to yield to you in these things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Know that you're loved. Thank you for being here this morning. I'll see some of you in the morning, some of you Wednesday. Lots of things happening this week.